I'm Alex Melaris. And I'm Tai Seifu. You might be wondering why we're a couple days late on this. Uh, it's because I t- tested positive for the Cove Cove disease on Thursday. It was a rough weekend for me. No joke. Um, and I'm feeling better. I feel like I have most of my energy back. So I figured I don't want to be bored anymore. Give me something to do. So here we are. We're chatting. Um, I think I can handle it, and I can especially handle it knowing that my Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, are the first team to punish their ticket to the conference finals. Whatever embarrassed is, I'm the opposite of that. I feel so smart, so vindicated, like a genius, truly. Where I can't wait. Did you pick the Lightning to advance around three? No, you didn't. You I picked didn't. you picked Florida, yeah. and you were you were wrong. That's correct. Uh, it seems that both of my finalists by the end of round two very early round two, I might say, have been eliminated. Um, so the, my bracket's quite the shit show, I gotta say. Uh, so yeah, fucking of all the series that that uh, <laughs> would end in a sweep, this might have been the last one that people anticipated. Where, you know, oh, this is gonna be the one that goes to seven. This is the one to watch. Alas, that was not the case. Uh, Florida, at the end of the day, just did not show up. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, 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 they told on themselves, they exposed themselves to be quite, you know, one dimensional as a team. And that, that dimension would be offense. Tampa, you know, managed to shut them down. Vasilevsky was pretty clearly the MVP of the series for the, uh, for the lightning, uh, you know, in that elimination game, getting the classic Vasilevsky shutout, uh, two to nothing and playing just out of his mind. That's been since Game 7 of the last series, really, against Toronto. Uh, and Florida really couldn't put much of a resistance. And, you know, they're just all of a sudden, just like that, within seven days, they're uh, out of the playoffs. Yeah, and Tampa did it without Braden Point, too. I guess my, my other analysis about uh, Riley Nash not being that bad was also correct. Um, I hadn't realized until, well, I'm sure if I thought game by game, I would have realized, but it never really clicked to me that Tampa only gave Florida three goals in four games, which is, of course, ridiculously low for any team, but especially low for the first team to average more than four goals per game in the regular season in the entire cap year, which Florida did. And it feels like, you know, we were talking after they beat Washington, but it wasn't not quite as handily as we expected and as they wanted. Uh, Like, what's going on here, you know? Is this kind of, you know, high-flying offensive team and they're not built for the playoffs or whatever? Uh, which, you know, is quite a lazy analysis. But it does feel like something has to give when there's just such a dramatic shift from an insanely high scoring rate to all of a sudden the playoffs start and all of a sudden you run into, you know, the first real challenge and things totally fold and disappear. Yeah, you got to wonder what it is. I mean, they were dominant during the regular season. Um, and, you know, you, you got to wonder, is it because... They were feast. They didn't face this kind of challenge of facing the same team, you know, over and over, night in, night out. Uh, in that sense, it's quite different, right? You get to feast on a whole bunch of easy teams, which Florida did basically all season, right? They took care of business when they were facing the shitty teams. They didn't. They didn't really leave any points on the table there. Uh, and so, you know, that gave them some leeway against the playoff teams during the regular season. Um, and they can afford to lose here or there, and nobody really bats an eye. Uh, whereas here, you know, the the spotlights spotlights on you. Every loss uh, becomes that that much more magnified. And yeah, I like they they were just, you know, that's the thing, right? They they score <laughs> less goals in a series than they averaged in one game in the regular season. <laughs> uh which is which is completely absurd as a stat especially for an offensive team like like Florida. And yeah, I I mean, 
I honestly, it, it's really quite a head scratcher because this this wasn't just like they ran into Tampa Bay. Um, we were talking about it. You know, you know, where they, they still have a lot of performance that they could have unlocked uh, based on how they performed against Washington. Uh, something just wasn't clicking, and I thought that they would, you know, get it together. You get your confidence up by winning that first series, first series in like twenty something years uh, for the franchise. And but no, they they just basically played like they did against Washington. Except Tampa Bay is a much better team, and they'll you know they'll take advantage of you, and they did very handily. So you know it wasn't even the goaltending that was a problem. I thought Bobrovsky was solid. Uh, it was just that you know the offense just simply dried up kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, one kind of. Uh, sad thing about Florida losing is this probably spells the end of Joe Thornton's career, um, which is, you know, one reason many were rooting for Florida, you know, even though he actually, I don't think he played a single game in the playoffs, so he is uh, he's healthy scratch material at this point in his career. Um, he isn't really an NHL player anymore, so even if he does want to stick around, I'm not sure who's offering a job, except maybe the Coyotes, you know, if he wants to go there. Um, but that that's one thing. Um, one nice thing about Florida losing, though, is that it officially declares them the undisputed losers of the Ben Sherratt trade. Because, you know, if they did win the Stanley Cup, then that kind of gets clouded in doubt. But now uh, it's confirmed next year Florida doesn't have a first-round pick because they wanted a few months of Ben Sherratt this year, which resulted in a second-round loss in a series in which they scored a total of three goals. Yeah, and he was pretty much invisible all series. So, you know, who could have seen this coming? You paid way too much for Ben Sherratt. And he didn't really produce uh, other than, you know, being a tough guy in the defensive zone uh, that, you know, you know, occasionally gets a television segment. But that's about it. So, yeah, big mistake there. We could have told you before the trade happened uh, that you shouldn't give up that kind of asset for Ben Sherratt. And here you go. Regretting that move big time. I don't see them resigning him. I don't know why they would because he's terrible. So, yeah, that's that's that. Close the book on the uh, Florida and Ben Sherratt book. And... Yeah, I mean, what else went wrong for the Panthers? I mean, big part of it, you know, everybody was talking about their power play. That was just part of the offense. For some reason, I honestly, schematically, I haven't really figured out yet why they, you know, disappeared so hard. They got one power play goal in two series. uh, And, you know, part of that was Tampa. They're really good in their own zone. It seems that they're, like, always on their game. Um, You look at game three. Uh, they're just, they always seem to be locked in in terms of, you know, handling rebounds. You had that, you know, like that Yan Ruda, like, you know, scraping that puck off the goal line and McDonough having the, you know, the acumen to block that shot when Huberto had an empty net, Uh, you know, stuff like that. They just seem to be aware in their zone and just more locked in than Florida was all series. And I mean, you know, Andrew Brunette had that quote after game three, where just like, you know, the pan, it seems like the lightning want it more. Um, You know, that's, that's kind of a lazy analysis, but still, uh, you know, Florida just, they couldn't get it clicking though at the end of the day. Perhaps it is lazy to say that Tampa Bay wanted it more, but perhaps that statement actually, you know, has some some substance to it, or maybe there's something there as soon as you find out that Florida spent the night after Game 3 hanging around a, a special party place, oh, or whatever you want to call it. I didn't hear about you, that. You saw this making the rounds? Nope. Wait, you didn't see this? No, I didn't. I completely missed it. What's up? Were you, like, asleep for the past 48 hours? <laughs> I don't know. It just never crossed my timeline. What happened? Well, somehow. Uh, so on a like a Tampa Bay-based radio station, they were talking about how a bunch of Panthers players, after Game 3, uh, went to a strip club and hung out. Game Game 3 was an afternoon game. Uh, and then, but, so they went out that night until, you know, I assume, you know, very late. 
And then game four was the next day. It was like a back-to-back. Um, and I haven't seen any photos or anything like that. I suppose there's an off chance this was a, t- a total fabrication. Andrew Burnett, Panthers coach, the next day was like, you need to check your sources on that. There's no way that happened. Um, but, you know, what's he supposed to say? The day of game four. Um, also, maybe he actually, you know, what are the, what's, what are the players going to do? You know, tell their coach what happened? You think what you think he would know? Um, so if this is the case that this happened, uh, you go down three, nothing in a series and your first thought is, uh, yeah, I think, you know, now's probably the right time to go party. Then, you know, I guess you can see why, uh, why the Panthers, you know, didn't last any longer than game four and why they're going to need to have some kind of shift in, in discipline if they were to make it any farther in the playoffs. Right. I mean, like if this is true and that's, that is quite the if. Uh, this is just completely absurd and preposterous. Um, yeah, the the fact that you have a a back to back in the playoffs, uh, so you have a game literally the next night, and then literally you're in Tampa Bay, and your your team based in Florida. It's the this the strip club is in state. Go at any time you want. Go in season uh, during the regular season. Nobody really bats an eye. You know, you're just you know after a home game. Hell, you don't even need to be playing in Tampa. Just you know. It's a quick whatever drive or plane ride, uh, you know, if you're a hockey player. Uh, so I don't know what the big deal, why they had to have it after game three, release some steam, I guess. I don't know what the hell it is, but whatever it is, seems pretty misguided. And if that <laughs> that ends up being the truth, um, you know, question, questionable decision making. I got to say the timing is, uh, you know, you could have just done it after game four after you got swept. Nobody would have blamed you, you know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> one game early, one night early. And it's uh, pretty whack. Um, so yeah, on the, on the Tampa Bay side, I wanted to shout out Nikita Kucherov, uh, who, yeah, who had himself a fantastic series. I mean, it wasn't even, you know, he had, I think he had a couple goals, uh, but also, you know, he had assists all over the place. He was like a, a bona fide playmaker. Uh, you know, he had a nice pass to Corey Perry and assist on Corey Perry's goal in game one. He was the noted assist man that made that second goal happen, uh, or that game two goal to win the to win game two with like three seconds left. Nice little pass to Ross Colton while, you know, Mackenzie Weger goes skating off into nowhere. Uh, and yeah, he had like three assists in game three too. So he was just, he was all over the place. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, on the other hand, you have Florida's playmakers. You have Huberto and Barkov, who basically all series and both series, really, people were just saying, okay, when are they going to turn it on? Florida's going to be unstoppable when they do. And they just never did. Yeah. Um, one more thing on the strip club stuff, not to change gears back to where we were and roll back the wheel of history. But anyway, um, it was the Pat and Aaron show, which is where it was initially said that that's what happened. And then Miami based reporter, Andy Slater confirmed the reports by saying brunette wants sources checked. No problem. I just checked with my strip club sources who are the best in the industry. The report by the Pat and Aaron show is true. Damn. Well, there we go. Uh, the strip club insiders have it. And yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe just Brunette just didn't know about it. That's very possible. They just don't tell the coach. Uh, and that's where he liked kind of not knowing about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The day of game four. Uh, it's, it's hard to, when you have multiple people going in like this, you know, it's hard to see why they would fabricate such things. Well, you obviously they have the clicks, but you know, it seems like quite the elaborate fabrication. Uh, and it's oddly specific. So I'm inclined to believe that they did indeed go to a strip club after game three. Yep. Uh, well, uh, yeah. So I guess, you know, on the lightning, which you were just talking about and I'll, I'll add on to that by saying 
that this team is every bit as good as last year's, which I said in like our playoff preview, and I said is why I picked them again. You know, Nick Paul rocks, Brandon Hagel rocks, but especially like it feels like the the defense has found a new gear, and well, maybe not maybe not even a new gear. I mean, you know, only give them three goals in four games is kind of you know a really big deal, um, but because it's pretty much the exact same personnel except for like Zach Bogosian's back after like I think one year off. Um, yeah, he won the first cup with them, went to Toronto for a year, and then came back here. And I think they're going to win the third cup in a row now. Uh, and the other only difference really is Cal Foot is in the lineup pretty regularly. So he's finally, you know, blossomed into a, a pretty steady player. So, you know, you have a lot of the same bodies coming back. You're going to get a lot of the same results. Yeah, absolutely. And they haven't, you know, they haven't regressed age-wise. Uh, and yeah, you talk about that secondary scoring, that depth scoring. And yeah, they've just managed to supplant that, you know, that they talked about that big line leaving in free agency last year and the expansion draft. Uh, but, you know, you have like fucking Corey Perry showing up again for the second playoffs in a row. Uh, and, you know, everybody's talking about Ross Colton, you know, even Pierre-Edouard Belmar, like he, can get, he puts in solid minutes. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this team is, is you know, just finds manages to find these, these guys out of nowhere, uh, really for for real cheap, and plug their depth. And I mean, Florida's depth just—you know—we talked about it so much how deep that that forward core was. Uh, but they basically disappeared. Meanwhile, you know, Tampa's guys who were not as you know highly touted, uh, and who were you know definitely smaller names have managed to produce, and that's you know that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um. Let's let's talk about the other Eastern Conference series now, if you're ready to. Yeah. Uh, Rangers Hurricanes, which the Hurricanes currently lead two to one, and the one is pretty much virtue of the fact that Igor Shesterkin, uh, has been pretty remarkable. But actually, both goalies in this series have been remarkable. All the games have been very low scoring. Two nothing was the first one, and then, uh, wait, sorry, was that the second one? Two to one was the first one in overtime, and then two nothing, and then three one. So not a lot of goals on either side here. Uh, Shesterkin and Ranta have uh, both been pretty outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anti Ranta is really the reason why they won both games. Uh, and, you know, we talked about Carolina and their goaltending issues, the big topic with this team. And, you know, we see Freddie's back on the ice. He's skating here and there. But really, anti Ranta's given them no reason at all to rush him back, which is great news because yeah, we've talked about repeatedly the concern with with the goaltending situation here is that you don't want to rush Freddie back and have him play like shit or re-injure, his, re-injure him. So, yeah, anti-Ranta, that's, that's a huge factor for them. And he's been he's been absolutely balling. Uh, and, I mean, Shesterkin needs no introduction. Uh, he's been playing remarkable, and he stole them game three. Uh, so, yeah, I find, I find that in the series so far, really all three games, um, it seems like Carolina's been the better team on the ice. Um, and, but yeah, it's just, it's hard for me to say with like utmost confidence, with certainty that they're going to win this series because I mean, you know, Shesterkin's so good. And as he, as he showed in game three and whenever that, you know, it seems that the key to the Rangers success is that, you know, Kreider and Zibanejad line showing up like every so often they were quiet in games one and two show up in game three, each have a goal and and they win the game. So, you know, the, 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 the old saying about the Rangers, you know, basically a power play and a goaltender kind of, you know, kind of proving true all throughout these playoffs, but it's been, you know, able to kind of buoy them uh, and they're only down two one right now. Yeah. Honestly, I think even if Freddie Anderson were a hundred percent right now, I go stick with Ranta. You really expect Anderson's going to come in, step in here and 
be any better than anti-rant has been. I find that pretty hard to believe. Um, I still am leaning Hurricanes with my pick. Um, I think I originally said five. Could still happen. Um, but, you know, even though I did just, you know, give anti-rant a ring endorsement, it is possible that he could regress back to average at some point very soon. They actually, this game is going on right now, this game four and a zero zero now. Uh, and they have seven shots apiece, by the way, and the Rangers are going on the power play. Oh no, the Hurricanes are going on the power play. Anyway, um, I think the only way the Rangers win this is if Shestrigan stays at his level and Ranta regresses to the mean in a in an aggressive and abrupt way. Um, one interesting thing to note that I saw also making the rounds uh, was Gerard Gallant, that clip of Gerard Gallant like yelling at Tony D'Angelo, telling him to shut the fuck up. I think it was in warm-ups or something like that. And I know people, everyone hates Tony D'Angelo, obviously. But I still, I found it hard to be like, yeah, you go Gerard Gallant. Because, I don't know, when a coach does something like that, it always feels weird to me. Because for him to, you know, single out a player and make it very obvious that that player has gotten under his skin. You know, it's one thing for a player to kind of, you know, yell at another player on the opposing team, get mad at him or whatever. If you're a player trying to irk the opposition and you see that it's is managed to irk the coach who's supposed to be like the most level-headed one of them all i don't see how that does anything but you know give you an extra jolt of confidence yeah absolutely you would expect like a middle-aged man uh among a group of you know athletes in their 20s and 30s to be the most even keeled out of all of them uh and, and if he's out here losing his cool on camera uh it's not a good sign because you know you know the big part of these you know these series is you don't want to get in you don't want to get the opponent in your head. We'll talk about that with, you know, St. Louis and, and Nazem Kadri in a bit. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you love to see, you know, people, you know, ragging on Tony D'Angelo. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. Uh, you don't want to see that kind of behavior from the coach. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it does get you a little concerned. Um, as for my outlook moving forward, I think it's not even that I don't think Ranta needs to, you know, fall apart or anything. I think, you know, Shesterkin's so good at the point where, you know, we've seen Colorado, they uh Colorado, Carolina, uh be the be the better team over three games. And yet they're still just kind of barely squeaking out these victories. You know? So if you know if even just, you know, their level of play falters a bit, you know, can they generate enough offense to get get enough past Shesterkin? Right? I think, you know, the margin is so small, despite the fact that they're clearly the better team at five on five, uh, that, you know, it's still it still feels kind of edgy. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I could see the series kind of moving in the favor of the Rangers just by virtue of, you know, they win a couple of games at two to one, and I could totally see that happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think we are still on the, the same page, though, in the most part, in, in our predictions for this series, though. Carolina, right? Yeah, That's what you're absolutely. thinking? Yep, totally. All right, great. Uh, Tampa Carolina Conference Final, you heard it here first. 100% guarantee from both of us. It's happening. Uh, next, let's uh, let's talk about that series you just mentioned, the Colorado-St. Louis one, because that's been the one, at least today, that's been being talked about the most for uh, non-hockey-related reasons. Um, because I don't know if you saw the... Uh, I think Mike Stevens, actually, not long ago, ended up sharing on Twitter a screen grab of that Nazem Kadri's wife shared yeah. Of all the uh the racist threats that that uh that he'd been receiving over the past uh several days after uh you know he well first of all 
Uh, even if he did, you know, run into Jordan Bennington, this of course would be unjustified. But even even the play itself, uh, Callie Rosen basically changed his direction to there, and then it started with like Jordan Bennington threw a water bottle at him as he was doing like the post game interview. Just you know, Nazem Kadri always is receiving unfair treatment, and when you compare it to Milan Lucic running into Mike Smith the other day. Jacob Truba, you know, every time he makes a dirty hit, Tom Wilson even, you can obviously see the the massive disparity. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, every time something like this happens every few months, it's like, what can we, what can we say that's different from all the other times? Right, yeah, and, and there's a reason why, right? We, we can clearly draw the line uh, with Nazem Kadri, who's a Muslim, right, and a person of color, uh, who becomes, you know, a bigger target. For this kind of vitriol, and for me, you know, like you're you're gonna have, you know, especially given you know the fan, you know, the the demographic that the NHL covers, uh, you're gonna get this kind of reaction from people because you know that's what it is. But uh, you and it's horrible. But there there's not much you can do about it really because you know that th- those kind of people will always be out there. Uh, but for me, what really sticks out is I don't know if you saw this, but Craig Berube at his press conference, uh, somebody asked him about you know the the threats. Uh, really, the death threats that you know Kadri's been receiving, uh, and you know he his his re- his response was no comment, uh, and you know you know that Craig Bre- you know he's definitely tuned in. He knows what's he knows what's going on, and you know that to to not offer any sort of uh, you know disparagement of these kind of comments is really a tacit support, right? He he has no problem with it. Um, or at least enough of a problem to call it out at all. Instead, he, you know, he just goes, says no comment, and uh, you know, calls it part of the gamesmanship or whatever it is, however it is that he justifies it. Uh, but you know, that's heinous, right? And you know, this is beyond the game, as you said. And you know, for him to, for Craig Berube to come out here and not offer any sort of, you know, support for Kadri in terms of this, you know, in dealing with this. Or even just criticizing the kind of comments that nobody should be kind of dealing out in any situation to anybody uh, is uh, despicable on on the, on the part of Craig Berube. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you know this, Craig Berube actually when he was playing back in 1997, uh, he called Peter Worrell, who was a black player on the opposing team, a monkey, and got suspended for uh, for one game. Yeah, uh, it says here. He claims the remark was not racially motivated and apologized after. I think we all, you know, we've seen that story a million times. Um, so this is a guy who should have a reputation. Problem is, I hadn't heard about any of this until literally today. This is the type of thing you don't hear about. Whereas Nazem Kadri's so-called reputation, uh, Craig, that's Craig Ruby talked about. He mentioned something. I don't know if it was in that exact sound clip, but sometime in, in the cat past couple days, said something about like, when you got a reputation, what can you expect? Something like that. Well, we never hear about things Berube's done in the past, which are much more important. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's uh, you know that's rich coming from Craig Berube's mouth. Um, so yeah, that's I mean, it 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 sucks, and we shall see in terms of uh, well, I don't know, like I you know moving forward, you don't expect much to change, but uh, it's it's definitely unfortunate for 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 Nazem Kadri to have to deal with this, and for really any. Uh, minorities, because we see it happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, even on Hawking and Candy yesterday, actually, Nazem Kadri scored a hat trick yesterday in the midst of all this, and Colorado won, and he was the best player on the ice. 
And at the intermission, Ron McLean basically said, oh, look, so he said something about Nazem Kadri's celebration after I think his second goal. He was like, oh, yeah, you come on, Nazem, you don't want to like rile up the crowd that's already mad at you or something. Just an absolutely absurd thing for Ron McLean to say, who always seems to get the, you know, at least he's not done cherry treatment. Well, you know, I guess hanging out next to him for all those years, something or something else might have rubbed off on him. Yeah, maybe. Or he was just a pretty shitty person to begin with. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm not putting that yeah, out of the question. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's that's fucking unhinged from Ron McLean to kind of say that. There's no awareness of the no contextual awareness whatsoever from the guy and uh yeah i mean that's the ron mclean experience isn't it like this is not the first time he says some whack shit on national tv uh so you know uh-huh. get, get your shit together um but yeah moving on the ice as you said nazim kadri uh the best player on the ice not even just for game four uh but game three i thought you know he scored a goal um and he was he's just been the difference maker really because you look at you know that top line uh, uh you know mckinnon's line they've really they've been in a really tough matchup with Ryan O'Reilly's line uh, with O'Reilly in particular, who's been playing really well in terms of shutting down uh, that first line. And so, you know, when it comes to secondary scoring, Nazem Kadri is really taking that lead uh, with the, you know, not having to face O'Reilly. Uh, and yeah, he's just been fucking producing that whole line, all series and really all playoffs. Uh, but, but here in particular, uh, you know, they fucking putting up the production, not only that, but as I said, uh, he's in the head of the blues, just straight up. I mean, they're fucking pissed at him. Uh, and they're just losing their cool. I mean, you saw it all throughout game four. Uh, you know, like somebody tackled him after whatever goal it was. And then, you know, David Perron coming out of the box, trying to like the dirtiest shit I've ever seen. You know, he's coming out of the penalty box after goal. He tries to elbow the guy in the face. Uh, so shame mm-hmm. on him for that. And, uh, but you know, they, they've clearly lost their cool and it's, you know, to the detriment of the blues. Yeah. I was going to mention that David Perron thing too, because Kadri, you know, got out of the way of that. If he hadn't, if Piranha had connected on that, that could have been an absolutely gross injury. Um, and because there was there was clear intent to injure on that. Actually, there was another play David Perron got fined for, uh, a really dirty cross-check on Kadri. He got fined uh, $5,000. When I first saw David Perron got fined, my first thought was, oh, it was the elbow. Then I read it, and I was like, oh, there was another one? The clear intent to injure multiple times by David Perron on the exact same player in the exact same game. That should be a suspension of at least multiple games. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's not a question of it, especially with that elbow. I mean, this was not even a hockey play. He had scored the goal already, and this guy was in the penalty box, right? David Perron was in the penalty box. Um, so, you know, he, I think I think it was as a result of the penalty he took doing the illegal cross-check that he got fined for coming out uh, after the avalanche scored. He went in for the flying elbow. So this guy's completely unhinged. Uh, and, you know, the fact that he didn't get suspended for that is uh, bullshit. Because, yeah, just, just, you know, intent to injure, clearly, outside of the scope of the play. And I don't know how the, the DOPS sees that and doesn't give anything. Not even a fine. But even a fine would not be nearly enough. Because, uh, yeah, this guy lost it. And <laughs> if it was if it was Nazem Kadri pulling that shit, he'd be suspended. You damn well yeah. know that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that definitely should have been, should have been uh, suspended. That is one thing I dread is like if within the next couple games, Kadri does something to retaliate, uh, you just know he's going to get the book thrown at him like it's yeah. happened so many times. Right. Uh, and it's like, you know, what do you, you can't, ex- it's, you can't expect someone uh, to continually take this kind of abuse 
and to never fight back in a similar way if no one else is doing anything about it, especially if, you know, the DOPS who's supposed to be protecting you isn't doing anything about it, then it's kind of like, you know, you leave me no options. Everyone's, you know, cross-checking me in the back, swinging elbows at my face. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for his sake, um, you hope that Colorado wraps it up in five games. Uh, uh, we, we haven't talked about the goaltending change that's happened because Bennington has been injured. Billy Huso stepped in in game three, you know, led in a soft goal. And he's been okay. I mean, there was a reason he he got, you know, yanked as the starter. He hasn't been playing great this playoffs. Uh, and he's been fine, though. He hasn't been atrocious. But, you know, Bennington was playing well, admittedly. So that, that's been a bit of a downgrade for them. Uh, and, but yeah, you know, for the sake of Kadri, uh, you know, you hope he's got, you know, he, you know, obviously it's unfair to him. Uh, to put the onus on him to not retaliate after putting up with all this shit. But uh, you know the DOPS is ready, as you said, to throw the book at him. So hopefully he can get his cool and move on to the third round, which uh, I, I assume that we both, you know, looking at 3-1 in the series right now. Uh, and the, the might of the Colorado, uh, the Avalanche, that's what we anticipate, uh, that they wrap this up yeah. promptly. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Battle of Alberta, which, as it turns out, did happen. Uh, and it started with a nine six, <laughs> what? <laughs> Which in fact did happen. Interesting. I, well, I don't know. Uh, that joke was that <laughs> I kept. I was convinced that it was not going to happen, and that at least one of the teams uh, yes. was going to lose. Right, right, right. That, that's it. Yeah, and it started with a nine six win for the Flames. That was pretty crazy. Uh, and the Flames haven't won since. Oilers won the next two games. And the big story here is Connor McDavid right now sits atop the playoffs with 23 points in 10 games for a 2.3 points per game average. And those 23 points would have led the entire playoffs in like five of the last 10 years or something insane like that. And he is like one and a half rounds in. No, he's, it's absolutely preposterous. And, and the start that I kind of, you know, aggregated, uh, that's even more incredible, I find even more incredible than his individual production is, all right, in this series so far, the Oilers have scored, what, 15 goals? All right? Sure. That's a, that's a handful. That's an average of five a game. Um, who has more <laughs> points? Handful. Mike Smith or the entire Oilers' bottom six? I, by, just by the fact you're asking the question, I'm going to go with Mike Smith. It's 1-0. The bottom six has zero <laughs> fucking points in three games. That's completely absurd. Uh, you know, it just goes to show he's just completely carrying fucking carrying that team. Um, you know, 15 goals. We have six goal scorers on the uh, six forwards who have scored. You know, the defensemen have chipped in. Scored points. Six forwards have points for the Oilers. It's McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, uh, Yamamoto. He, when he was on the top six, he's now on, on the third line in Evander Kane. I mean, this is this is as top heavy as it gets. This is, this is absurd. You got to be fucking kidding me. How do you have 15 goals and the bottom six has zero points? The goalie has more points than that. That's, that's some crazy shit. <laughs> it goes to show just how poorly constructed this Oilers team is. And just they're getting dragged, dragged from the depths of hell by, by Ben McDavid. Because even Dreisaitl has a bum fucking leg right now. Uh, and there's just, he's just the entire fucking team right now. And Mike Smith playing well, granted. But this is just crazy. Yeah. Dreisaitl's, you know, playing injured. He's second in playoff scoring with 19 points in 10 games. Which, you know, is a, a also absolutely ridiculous total. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, Daryl, uh, Daryl Sutter had a quote today. Someone asked him about line matching. I don't remember the question, but he basically said, what do you mean line matching? They're only using eight forwards. <laughs> and you look at the average, you look at the average time on ice. 
Uh, I'm on cat friendly right now. So it's showing me the entire playoffs, not just for this series, but I think it'll give a pretty good idea. Um, McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, Evander Kane, Kyler Yamamoto are all the Oilers forwards who average uh, 15 minutes or more time on ice in a game. Ryan McLeod's at 1359. Uh, and then I, Derek Ryan is next at like 1134. And then you have Josh Archibald at 1048. And then under 10 is Puyu Yarvi, Warren Fogle, and Zach Cassian. Usually you have like, you know, one or two forwards around like 11 or less minutes. They've got like five. So Daryl Daryl Sutter is absolutely right. Uh, the Oilers are leaning extremely heavy on heavily on their star players and even on that next wave of like five or so. Yeah, we'll see if they can, you know, keep it up in terms of, you know, do they hit a wall uh, when it comes to fatigue because you're playing the same team over and over? Uh, you know, that that's the real risk. I mean, it's not like you want to bet against Connor McDavid, though. Uh, and yeah, those six fours over 15 minutes, they're the only ones who have points. Right, the other any other forward yeah. under 15 minutes doesn't have shit. Uh, so and that's that's basically all there is to this series so far, right? <laughs> I mean, Mike Smith's played well, so the Flames haven't you know scored out of their minds, and you know McDavid scoring a whole shit ton of points. Uh, and really, in terms of like secondary scoring analysis, there isn't any any to be done because there is none for the Oilers. Uh, and yeah, truly, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this, you know, uh, where no. one player is just or a forward is just straight up dragging a team, kicking and screaming uh, to like a series lead right now. I still picking, I'm still picking the Flames, though, yeah. I have to say. And here's why. Here's, okay. here's why I'm still picking the Flames. Um, because I, obviously, you know, McDavid, best player on the in the world. Uh, this level of production is not sustainable uh, any longer. I really don't think so. He has uh, multi-point games in nine of the first 10 playoff games. That's an absurd stat. And I don't think it can last. I think, you know, it's pretty much impossible he stays at this level uh, for the remainder of the series. And even if he did, um, I I still am not a Mike Smith believer. I am not. He's a 933 so far in the playoffs. I don't care how good McDavid and Drysaddle are. If he folds at any point, they're cooked. They're done for. I will not hedge my bet on that. And I got to say, on, on your uh, McDavid unsustainability... You know, those are some real famous last words uh, for anybody doubting McDavid. Um, but I'm not yeah. doubting. I'm not here. Here, what I, here, maybe he'll regress to two points per game. He'll regress ah. from two point three to two. How Still reasonable. slowing down a bit. Yeah, Still okay. best in the world. <laughs> you're leaving a lot of self. Uh, you're leaving yourself a lot of room to to call yourself correct. Uh, one week. Yeah. From well, now. all I'm saying, all I'm saying is his points per game from here on out will not be as high as the points per game from the start of the playoffs to this point. There, All right, it. we'll see. You know, you very well could be wrong, uh, given the caliber of player that we're talking I, about. I highly doubt it. <laughs> but but anyway, like Mike Smith, yeah, that's the point, right? Like, you know, it's 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 there's two points why I I also am still on the uh, the Flames pick because you know it's it's the Flames if they you know manage to fully take advantage of whatever you know twelve minutes of ice time those bottom six forwards get. If they can fully leverage that, because those bottom six forwards are so bad, um, they might be able to just fucking compensate for McDavid, uh, whatever point production that he can. And yeah, Mike Smith, you know, great save percentage. Can't deny that he's been playing well so far. Uh, and basically all throughout April, since April, 
but he still looks like a fucking flish, like a fish flopping out there. I don't understand how he manages to do it with his goaltending style. Whenever I'm watching the series or any Oilers game, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I don't understand. He's just, it's really, and there's nothing like it. Uh, that and like the combined with like the boneheaded plays that he throws in once every like four games, extremely entertaining to watch. Uh, but you know, you don't have the utmost faith in him. Uh, I certainly don't. So yeah, the, the pick's still Calgary. The team is just overall better, but they need to, you know, put a lid on this McDavid thing and at least, you know, don't give him three points a game for crying out loud. Frank Vitrano just scored on the power play for the Rangers. And then Adam Fox scored on the power play for the Rangers. It is two nothing Rangers at first intermission. Is anti rant a bat now? Maybe. You know, it's possible. And so maybe we see Freddie Anderson. Uh, but yeah, the they Rangers do hold on to this. I understand it's just the end of the first. But, you know, we're talking about Chesterkin here, and he's got a two-goal lead. So that's worrying if you're the Hurricanes. And yeah, we're at, we're at a 2-2 two to two series. And yeah, it, it, I'm not, it's not a completely confident pick for me for the, for the Hurricanes because of that. You know, Chesterkin might just damn well steal, steal the series. Yep. Uh, I was mostly joking about Andrew Ranta being bad now. It's a very small sample size. Um I think that's pretty much it for our recaps, but we have other things to talk about. But actually, before we get to that stuff, I, I took I made note of this because I wanted to point it out. Uh, a, a mistake we made last week, or I guess an oversight, when we were talking about the awards, we were talking about the Masterton. Um, we both somehow forgot when talking about Carey Price that he was in the, the player assistance program early this year, which I thought of like the next day. And we just talked in our minds, he had just like been injured for a long time. And it was like, wow. I guess they couldn't think of anyone to nominate. Um, but yeah, Carey Price has an extremely valid reason for being there. Yes, absolutely. So, our bad for uh, that oversight. Um, but uh, I see that you still have yet to come up with a justification for Zdeno Chera. So, oh, he's just still very old. My point bad. still That's stands it. there. But uh, yes, that, yeah. is, that is a valid retraction on the Carey Price argument for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, there were two notable contracts signed this week. Not counting Jonas Corposalo as notable, or Lena Sandine, or Marcus Bjork that was signed like 10 minutes ago. Sorry to to both of you and the several other players who signed deals. But we are talking about Brian Rust and Mark Giordano. Uh, where, where do you want to go first? Yeah, let's go with the smaller one. You know, it's always good. A crescendo is nice. Um, so money-wise, Mark Giordano... Uh, has the smaller contract, and notably because he took less money uh, of his own accord, uh, signing two years at $800,000, wherein not only could he have gotten much more money than that, but he was offered more money than that. He was offered around a million dollars, and he came back to them and was like, no, give me less money uh, to make the team better around him, Um, which, you know, I got to say is quite naive uh, because he does play for the (laughs) Toronto Maple Leafs, but... You know, Mark Giordano clearly likes it in Toronto, and you can't hate the signing at all. Obviously, no risk. But not only that, Giordano's still quite a good defenseman, as he showed basically since the trade deadline, where he was pretty pretty damn solid for the Leafs. You know what they say, bootlickers taste the dirt. <laughs> I, I just made that up. Um, but I think Mark Giordano's like, I don't know, trying to get some good karma or something. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Anyway, so... I understand, you know, wanting to play in Toronto, you have a city you like, you take a discount, and if Toronto's really like, we can we can only offer you a million. Take a million dollars. 
come on, Mark. What are you, what are you doing here? You're trying to look like a hero. You're trying, you know, you win the Stanley Cup and all the fans love you because the extra $200,000 in cap space lets them, like, keep Kyle Clifford around or something. All right, sure. Um, from the from the Toronto perspective, this is fantastic news. Um, before this signing, they had, you know, they had a six. They had, it was Riley Brodeen, not Brodeen, Brody. <laughs> Riley Brody, Muzzin, Hall, Sandy, Liljegren. Those are six NHL defensemen. That's pretty much all you had. Joe Giordano in the, mis- in the mix, you got seven good ones. Uh, pretty much the same one you had this past spring, except uh, Lubushkin's a pending UFA. But their defense uh, is not, uh, shouldn't be their worries going into the offseason. Now, it should be getting Jack Campbell signed or getting a new starting goalie if you can't manage to make that work. Uh, but yeah, Giordano probably could have gotten like a $5 million deal somewhere else on the market. I'm sure teams would have been falling over themselves to try to get, you know, this like captain leader guy on board, veteran, won a Norris trophy and is still a very good top four defenseman. Uh, and he fit in great in Toronto. Him and Timothy Lilligren, uh, a stellar bottom pairing. They're probably going to run that back again. Right. Absolutely. And, but yeah, I want to rag on Mark Giordano a bit more, actually, now that I think about it. Because, Go for it. Go yeah, for it. Two years, what, they offered him a million dollars. He went back and asked for $200,000 less a year. That's so dumb. Not only are you ripping yourself off and, you know, losing that $400,000 that might help your family or whatnot. I understand he's made a lot of money. But why are you turning off $400,000 for a team that, A, is not poor at all? the richest team in the in the whole damn league uh but b what the hell are they gonna do with two hundred thousand dollars in cap space right as you said what keep Kyle Clifford around another four <laughs> weeks like what the fuck are you doing uh, and that makes no sense man that's not worth four hundred dollars for shit you know Kyle Clifford having Kyle Clifford on my team as a teammate for two months or whatever it is or whatever that buys you i not personally worth four hundred thousand dollars to me I don't know about Mark Giordano perhaps he's particularly attached to that 13th forward but I don't know. I don't understand it. And B, you know, you put it in a certain way, uh, like, oh, he's trying to you know, set an example for whatever players that are on that team that need a new contract, like Matthews, whose contract is up in, I think, two years or maybe, you know, two years. Uh, maybe he'll take less motivi- motivated by the leadership of Mark Giordano. Well, you know what? It kind of puts him in a bad fucking spot, doesn't it? Because, um, yeah. <laughs> if, if, you know, Matthews decides to do the smart thing, get his damn worth, Right from the from the Leafs or whoever, if it does come from the Leafs, and he you know gets his market value, he's going to be vilified. Everybody's going to be like, "Why didn't he do the Mark Giordano thing?" Uh, and everybody's going to be upset. And he's just kind of the throwing, Nathan McKinnon thing, or the Nathan McKinnon. And he's just throwing the, but like that. Even the McKinnon thing is different because you know he was his potential. He wasn't you know the superstar that he is now. Uh, and well, he did say like. Yeah, I took less than my value, and I'll do it again on my next one. He said something like that. He did say that recently. Yet to see if he will follow up on that. Uh, But, you know, putting him in a bad spot. And, yeah, real boot-fucking-licker vibes. That's exactly right. Uh, What's the (laughs) point here? Are you trying to gain gain the support of the fans? Because there's no other reason really to do this, is there? There's no real other reason other than to, like, peer pressure to your your teammates and taking less money or, uh, you know. Just buying good vibes. But that's some bullshit, man. Cost you $400,000 for some good vibes. I can think of one. He's angling for a Toronto front office job when he retires Aww. at the end of his deal. It's an he's investment. He's buddy-buddy with Kyle and Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, that's what <laughs> he's, he's a, doing here. Yeah, maybe he is. You know, that's a good angle. Uh, he's, uh, you know, friends with upper management. That's absolutely right. We'll see. We'll see if this long con is actually the way he's pulling. If it's not, it's just even it's just that much dumber. If he does pull up, 
and he gets a nice long executive career. We'll call it a worthy investment. Uh, if he retires and <laughs> goes golfing, well, he'll just be four hundred thousand dollars poorer for it, and uh, you know, makes no sense. In seriousness, though, you can see why this is the type of player who why front offices would love to name him captain, and why they have twice. Even in Seattle, right away, they like barely got to know him. They were like, "Oh, this is a captain guy," because he does stuff like this. Which I know it's it's different when you're on a a team like a sports team with a salary cap or something like that. But in like in the real world, this is the type of employee that everyone else like kind of hates and finds annoying. Who like you know stays after hours just out of their own volition to like do more unpaid work or like chip in, help out. And then they'll, you know he'll walk into. Uh, training camp you're like yeah i took less and i was like way to go mark and then they're like side-eyeing mitch marner and like whoever the fuck else is like you know morgan riley oh yeah i took too much money um stuff like that but yeah i mean it's his decision if he wants to flush money down the drain for the sake of i don't know acting as though he gave them a slightly better chance at a stanley cup then if that helps you sleep well at night mark i guess no one can stop you I mean, it's his life, uh, but uh, yeah, apparently the goodwill was worth $400,000. And because, you know, practically, as we said, doesn't do much, does it? Uh, it's not, he's not, this is not the, the size of contract where it makes a difference. You know, obviously, but if you get mad, yep. if everyone takes a $200,000 less, if we all band together, then think of how much we could save. If oh literally God. everyone on the team does that, we'll save like 4 million bucks. Then we can go. Trade for Ben Sherrod at the deadline. What if they all take the veterans minimum? Huh? Everybody. Just <laughs> all the UFAs. We could have so many good players on the Maple Leafs. And we could fit the whole damn, you know, all-star team on the Leafs if everybody took $750,000. Yeah, hey, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, come take League Min, play in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be a, a good teammate and whatnot. Yeah, no, come on. Give me a break. But you hate to see it. You know, good for the Leafs. It's a great, it's great for them. Just, you know, got $200,000 of free cap space. But, uh... You know, not that it's much, but still, good for them. And uh, but you hate to see it. And uh, screw you, Mark Giordano. Get your shit together, please. Brian Rust also kind of took a hometown discount, some were saying. Um, even though he does, you know, he's in from Pittsburgh, but it's his hometown and that, you know, it's the team he's always played for. Uh, and I, th- we're, I think just last week we were talking about Rust and how much he might make. I was thinking his AAV would be like six and a half or could potentially push, push seven on the open market. Um and he probably could have gotten close to that if he had the open market. But it was not to be. He wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. Uh, and the AAV ended up being extremely nice. 5.125. That is quite a sweet AAV, even though uh, the term is a bit uncomfortable. He's 30 and it's six years long. Um, but I think the fact that, you know, even if you wanted to argue that Pittsburgh's cup window is still open, which is quite the stretch at this point. Um, but if you did you would at least have to concede that it's only open for another one or two more years at most. So it makes sense in that context to lower the AAV and take the bullet a bit on term. Absolutely. You know, it's really, this contract is good for the purpose of what the Penguins want to do, right? Now, objectively, it may not be such a good contract uh, because, yeah, it's, you know, maybe time where, you know, the, the the wheels are kind of falling off the wagon for the for the Penguins as they really start to age out. And, you know, they obviously, as we talked about last week, they have to decide Malkin or Latang or make a decision on both of them, and they're probably going to lose at least one. Um, so, you know, it, it, it really doesn't seem like that window is open anymore. Uh, and so is it smart 
to go and give out six-year contracts, $5 million a year to 30-year-old forwards? Probably not, I would say. No matter how good, I'm not saying Brian Russ is not worth that money. Uh, he absolutely took a discount, and he's worth more than that. He could have gotten more than that from other teams. Uh, but, you know, is this still an objectively smart contract for the Penguins to sign, even if he does take a discount? I would argue, maybe not. Uh, I would lean towards no. But I know what the Penguins want to do. Uh, they want to go for it. They want to maximize that Crosby window. And for that purpose, it works. Uh, and so, you know, they're happy with it. Although, you know, some may say they should not have signed the 30-year-old forward to a six-year deal. I'm kind of hoping that Malkin does hit the open market. And I think he was, it might have just been a rumor, but I think I heard he was offered like a, a basically like an insulting deal with an AAV of like just over five, kind of like what Rust ended up getting. He was like, kick rocks. Um, I think it'd be pretty fun to see any, you know, any star player, anytime they switch teams, it's like, you know, a big deal and it's exciting. But especially for Malkin, who A, is so synonymous with Pittsburgh, but also his whole career, He's been kind of second fiddle to Crosby, and he is 35 now and past his prime, but he's still top-line center material. He was on a 40-goal pace this year. He's a point-per-game player, even though he did only play like about half the year, I think. Um, but he could go somewhere and actually be a first-line center for the first time ever, except for you know the stretches that where Crosby was missing. Like the one year where he missed almost the entire year of Crosby, and Malkin won MVP. So I know that was 10 years ago, um, but that, you know, perhaps give a bit of a, a taste of of what Malkin can really do and how good he really is. So I think it would be kind of cool to see him uh, go to a new team. And one that came to mind, even though they are kind of up against the cap, but it's Boston because Bergeron is a UFA. And does he go somewhere else? Probably not. Does he retire? People are throwing that around. Um, and even if they do bring back Bergeron, they kind of have a gaping hole at second line center anyway. That turned out to be a problem this year. That they go and and uh, try to get Malkin. I'm sure he'd have a, a, a billion suitors. Yeah, I mean this is this will be absolutely a fascinating case study um, because he's you know he's been he's been there forever in Pittsburgh and so you know <laughs> Malkin in a Bruins jersey. What a concept. Uh, but yeah, I'm I I can't wait to see how the market kind of develops, uh, both in terms of teams and where he ultimately lands. But yeah, that contract, uh, because it's weird, right? Thirty five years old, you know, UFA, uh, kind of exploring the market for really the first time. So yeah, we'll see that. You know, Latang's very much in a similar situation where you don't you don't see this kind of guy hit the market very often either. Uh, you know, he's obviously also thirty five. Um, but you know, well, he's you know, but he's up there in terms of, you know, offensive production and he'll probably get some Norse votes thrown his way, perhaps. And, you know, at that kind of caliber. Norse. Right. Norse. Wait, who? Um, Latang. Wait, did you just Latang is going to get Norse votes like this year? Well, I don't know. Perhaps. Uh, well, his, you know, okay. he's, well, Sorry, his production. Did we switch to, to someone else? Sorry. I was, it's okay. If that's your opinion, keep perhaps, it going. perhaps that's hyperbole. And not that I would put Nor- Norris votes on the guy, but you know, he does put up the numbers. So we shall see. I mean, he's also 35. So, but yeah, the, the rumor was, and I, I saw it was like three by five, uh, and you know, three uh, three years, five million, and Crosby wasn't happy about that. Apparently, that was the rumor, right? So, you know, it doesn't look too good in terms of contract negotiations. 
that's reasonable for Latang. I, I wouldn't want to give him more than three by five. Malkin's the one though. It's like he could ask for eight AAVs somewhere, and someone would be happy to give it to him. Someone would probably be happy to give him even more than that. Honestly, um, a team of any caliber. I'm like, you know, contending team, a rebuild team. Like, who's a good fit? Everywhere, everywhere would love to have him as long as they can make it work. Yeah. Um, uh, even the Arizona Coyotes. I'm sure would love to. That's my segue to the Arizona. And their arena situation, because everyone was making fun of them when it began to appear as though they wouldn't be allowed to have their own logo at center ice in their arena, their tiny little university arena that they share with ASU for the next three years. Not exactly the case. It turns out they're going to split center ice. It'll be like their logo and also the ASU logo there. But the Coyotes will have to pay for all the ads that they want to put up and also take down uh, for their games. And basically any modifications they want to make to the arena to make it their own, come right, right out of their own pocket, that ASU doesn't have to spend an extra penny, um, you know, accommodating the Coyotes because ASU is kind of technically the landlord and the Coyotes are the tenant. Yeah, and uh, they had all the leverage, clearly, because the Coyotes have uh, burned all goodwill in basically every city in Arizona um, where to the point where they're not wanted. And so, yeah, they really put the press on him. Wasn't very friendly. Uh, and, you know, so they'll be paying for whatever it is. They can't choose, you know, exactly who their sponsors are. Uh, they got to take them from a certain list that ASU has agreed with their own sponsorship deals. So they're making money off of that already. And, you know, they got to, like, approve their some of their advertisements for, like, alcohol and whatnot. They got to run them through the, the university. And, uh, yeah, so we, we got ourselves, like, a parent situation. Uh, which is funny because, you know, uh, an NHL franchise is being fucking policed by a university. Very funny. Uh, and, yeah, the, you know, the big thing is, right, whatever upgrades that they need to do uh, to make it an NHL arena, well, ASU, by the end of the lease, it's theirs. It's theirs to keep, and they don't have to pay a fucking penny for it. So, you know, Arizona paying out of their nose, well, the Coyotes, that is, not the university. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that's what happens. You don't pay rent. Nobody fucking wants you back. Uh, and you get yourself in a shitty situation rent wise so uh you know in a fucking arena with five thousand seats so hard to see where they're gonna make any money because uh not only aren't there many not many seats not many fans but apparently they can't even get all the sponsorships that they want uh they've been out leveraged in that situation too yep um all right there are three more quick things i want to mention before we get to guess who first rick bonus not coming back to dallas after like two and a half seasons there, including a trip to the Stanley Cup final, yet another coach hitting the open market and yet another vacancy. Any thoughts on, on this situation? Yeah, I mean, it's an intriguing opening that he leaves for sure. Uh, we talked about how, you know, really that old core uh, of, you know, Ben Sagan and, and Radulov, they have uh, fallen off a cliff and now they're just kind of Albatross contract sitting around waiting to expire. Uh, so, but they do have that fun young core particularly in the forwards with like Robertson and Hintz. And now we see Jake Ottinger kind of coming into the mix uh, where, you know, that's certainly enticing if you're a coach. Uh, as for Rick Bonus, I mean, you know, he's he's made his rounds as a coach. I mean, he's he's okay. He clearly has a ceiling. He's he's He works as an NHL coach, but not very well, I would say. And yeah, he fluked his way to a Stanley Cup appearance. He gave Calgary all he could, but... And then again, giving a team all they could in the first round is about as far as you thought the Dallas Stars was going to go. If I'm Dallas, I am begging Barry Trotz to come to, uh, to my team. 
Not many teams with a coaching vacancy. (laughs) I was going to say that, but specifically Dallas, because we talked about how they're at their best when they're choking the life out of another team. And that Barry Trotz is better at that than anyone. We saw him do it with the Islanders two years in a row, go to the conference finals. Uh, And Dallas probably has a bit more offensive punch on their team than the Islanders did uh, with, you know, that Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski line. Uh, Miro Haskinen's a better offensive defenseman than the Islanders saw. Klingberg as well, even though Klingberg probably isn't sticking around there, actually. Now that I think of that, he's probably going to walk somewhere else. Uh, And they have a, a great goalie, too. I think Barry Trotz probably fits best there. Uh, or as well there than he does with any team in the entire league. Yeah, absolutely. He would fit right in in terms of, you know, the style of play that they would go with. Uh, and yeah, really any team. But yeah, the Stars in particular, uh, where, you know, they want to really get moving with this team, with this core. Uh, Barry Trotz would be quite the score. And uh, right now, doesn't seem like he's had any other interviews other than Winnipeg. So the the, the Barry Trotz watch continues. Mm-hmm. I just imagine Barry Trotz going to be interviewed by the Jets, and the Jets are like, so, you're Barry Trotz. Like, what do you even ask? Like, he won the Stanley Cup. He took a shitty team to the conference finals two years in a row. Like, of course you want to hire him. Yeah, no, is is it is it <laughs> is the interview, like, you know, the Jets advertising themselves, free agent visits Bro, style? Like a pitch meeting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, at that point, you... <laughs> like, a why point, you? why you should come to Winnipeg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a tough sell, I gotta say. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sure they tried. I mean, like, he's the whole track. He's a really nice guy once you get to know him. <laughs> we promise Blake Wheeler is in a locker room cancer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, uh, absolutely. All right, next thing. This was just a funny little thing I saw today. Vasily Podkolzin, uh, who is from Russia, and this was his first uh, full year in North America. So his English isn't great. Uh, but Quinn Hughes was trying to help him out. And earlier this year, apparently, Quinn Hughes took him to see the movie Dune. And Vasily Colson was sitting there watching Dune for two and a half hours. And he said he didn't understand a single thing. And then <laughs> after the movie, first thing Quinn Hughes says to him was, that was hard to understand, even for me. <laughs> Fun moment. Um <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, interesting that he didn't, you know, raise the flag with Quinn Hughes earlier in the movie, and he actually just fucking sat in the movie theater, not understanding <laughs> shit for 120 yeah. minutes for a movie as you know low key as I've heard Dune is. Not that I've watched the movie, um, but I heard it's it's quite the the, the lengthy experience. Um, and yeah, Quinn Hughes uh, also speaks to his character that he would drag his <laughs> Russian friend to to a movie <laughs> no, two no, hours long. Like a- yeah. I think it was like a trying to help him learn English. He'll watch an English movie type thing. Ah, so, I think that was the intention. All right. Well, Quinn Hughes doesn't have a future as an English second language teacher. One might think. <laughs> all right, everyone, let's go watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I've heard Dune is particularly, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, what is it? I don't know. Fucking. It's a slog. It's, an, it's a slog. It's an experience. It's a cinematic experience and not the, you know, perhaps the, 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 uh, was it the conventional story arc of a movie? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fun shit. Um, and that's the Vasily Podkolzin appearance experience, experience apparently. All right. Last thing I want to mention: there are these rumors flying around now, and I use rumors very loosely because they're mostly coming from the fringes of the internet, the least reputable hockey sources, uh, and they're more so, you know, just guesses and chatter about whether the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, will be acquiring the second overall pick from the Devils so that they can pick one and two. 
and I clicked on one of these articles today and I read about it and it talks about that. It actually, oh, I think it was like a winning habit. One of the, one of those sites might not have been that one. Um, but it was like amidst all the debate, whether Montreal should take Shane Wright or Uri Slavkovsky and I'm like, Oh fuck, here we go. <laughs> one of these, um, some are saying they should acquire the second picks and totally end the debate right there and end up with both. So um, stupid. And I'm like, all right, I wonder what pieces this article is going to suggest Montreal trade. Because New Jersey apparently have made the, oh, we're open to talking about the second pick, which, you know, is a thing that most teams say uh, at any point. And New Jersey's like, you know, we want to make the playoffs, so. We're not going to draft second overall. Are you crazy? We're going to get an immediate piece. And so this article is like, maybe Josh Anderson. I'm like, freaking okay, sure. <laughs> so I, well, I think the article, I've stopped like partway through, but I I think the gist of it was Montreal should trade Josh Anderson, Logan Mayu, and Calgary's first round pick that they got this year, which is going to be like 25 at the earliest, and that'll get them the second overall pick. Yeah, yes. And here's my trade proposal. They trade a seventh round pick and in return they get the second overall pick. Same <laughs> kind of fucking vibe. Um, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. This is not a draft where you need both second overall picks or both first two picks. Um, just based on it's not a, I mean, it's, you know, there's a clear top three and everything, but it's not a generational top three by any means. So no reason to do that. And, uh, yeah, the, the cost of obtaining such a pick uh, it makes no sense to shell it out for the Habs who, you know, uh, will continue to be shit moving in, in the coming years, you assume. And so they'll have their own shots to continuously aim at the lottery, uh, even though they just won one. And also, not to mention, there's no good reason for New Jersey to, like, shop this pick either or trade unless someone blows you away because, sure, you want to make the playoffs, but you're not very good. And whoever you get second overall is probably going to be a big help within, if not this year, then the one after that or the one after that. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, Josh Anderson being immediate help or whatever, it's like, okay, but Slavkovsky is going to be much better than Josh Anderson and maybe within like three years. Um, but all our audience are very intelligent people who know that extremely well. So I just thought we could spend a minute poking fun at yeah, such, such notions. Don't fall for such clickbait. Is what I would adv advise at this point. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anything else? Uh, time for some guess who. Let's do it. It's been a minute. Sure has. Um, we're doing the Blues this week. We're almost out of teams, but this is one of the few teams that A, we haven't done yet, and B, are still playing. Um, they might be the only one, actually. I don't remember. You're kind of running that list, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. You're not. That is correct. All right, so that's why we're doing them. Um, the players we have here are Bennington, Huso, Pareko, Falk, Krug, Letty, Mikola, Bortuzzo, Scandella, Rosen, Perunovic, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Buchnevich, Thomas, Kairu, Peron, Saad, Shen, Barbashev, Bozak, Toropchenko, Walker, Brown, and Joshua. That would be Dakota Joshua. I realized I only did last names that time, but whatever i'm sure the people will manage considering you know it's the playoffs people have been watching this team i presume mm -hmm. all right let's get it going i've randomized and i'm ready all right i've just copied oops i accidentally copied my entire spreadsheet into random.org instead of just the last names let me try that again all right boom 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 da -da -da. 
Am I this mistaken when I say that I that the current series is 12, 7, and 7? Am I counting that right? Uh, let me pull up my notes and see. I scroll yeah. through my notes and I uh, I see 11, 7, and 7. Okay. There's a chance I forgot to update the, the tally again. Let me just count this up fast. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11... It is indeed 12, 7, and 7. So, uh, oh, and at the bottom here, I actually do have the teams we have left. So after this, we have Winnipeg, Washington, the Islanders, Nashville, Detroit, and Chicago left to go. Um, so if you win this one, you will have clinched at least a tie overall, and I will have to win all the final six in order to match you. So that's it's a, a pivotal vibe. one. That's a good vibe, isn't it? Um, all right. I think some, that's for half I think of us. <laughs> I think I think that's the the continue that's the that's the situation for the rest of the time, um, given the the lead I have. So, if I win at any point, I secure the tie. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So, uh, I got my player, and you have yours. I'll mute mm-hmm. my incoming audio in three, two, one. I'm Brayden Chen. And I'm back. Okay, I'll be muting in uh, three, two, one. My player is. Tory Krug. All right. I'm back. All right. So you won the last one. I did. Which means I? you guess first. Okay. All right. Okay. So I will sort by. I assume this is regular season assists. Uh, nope. I'll sort. Hmm. Regular season regular goals. Regular season assists. That's who you're sorting? Yes. This is new. Regular season goals. That's what we're Oof. doing. Uh, so, did your did your fancy. player? Uh, okay. Is your player a skater? With, you know what? No, scratch that. Does did your player have? Ooh, some maths here. Uh, four points or less. In four the goals. Four goals. Season? Four goals. Four goals. Four goals okay. or less in the regular season. There we go. This is too messy. I'm never doing this again. But like, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's already going back to bite you in the ass. Yeah, this is but terrible. No, my player, my player did not have four goals or less in the regular season. Okay, so they had five goals or more. So it's not a goalie, is 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 a convoluted way of saying. All right, go ahead. All right, wait, did you just only rule out the goalies? Is that what no, happened? No, I of course. Okay, Hold on. <laughs> okay go ahead. Um. Is your player's number 47 or less? Hmm. My num- player's number is 47 or less. Okay. Goodbye to all the higher number folks. Cool. All right. Was your player drafted by the St. Louis Blues? No, my player was not drafted by the St. Louis Blues. Okay. Tough break. I'm left with seven. All right. Is your player 29 or younger? Uh, okay. Interesting question. Uh, my player not really. It's pretty basic. Not 29 or lower, younger. All right. I'm down to six. Okay. Must be nice. Um, <laughs> hmm. Let's sort by... Okay, I'll do regular season points. Uh, did your player have 50 points or more in the regular season? 
No, my player did not have 50 points or more in the Oof. regular season. Damn. Everything has broken poorly, and I have, <laughs> have four <Yeah>. players left. <laughs> All right. Was your player Dang. drafted in the first or second round? Yes, they were drafted in the right. first or second round. Down to three. It's a brutal start. Losing 4-3. Uh, why not? I'll just start picking players off. Uh, is your player Nathan Walker? No, my player is not Nathan Walker. Brutal. Go ahead. That was probably an ill-advised strategy because okay. my last three, I don't know I don't know where I'm leaning. I got Braden Shen, Nick Letty, and Marco Scandella. I feel like Scandella is a bit too notable because you've met him before and we've talked about that. Leaves me with Shen and Letty. We've dunked on Letty quite a bit on this podcast over the past few weeks. So I'm going to go with Shen. Is your player Braden Shen? Brutal. Brutal. Just got fucking hey. run over by a bus in that round. <laughs> <laughs> I have three players. I don't know who it is. I have Justin Falk, Brandon Saad, Tori Krug. Is it Brandon Saad? It's not Brandon Saad, but okay. those three players all give the exact same five. They so do. crazy. Absolutely. Uh, got completely railroaded. Shitty turn of events. Who was it? It was Tori Krug. Wow. I was never going to guess that. Um, so, If you had well two more guesses, you definitely would have. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay, that, that turned out terribly poorly. So, uh, all right, on to round two. All right. Let us randomize once more. Got my player. Me too. I will mute in three, two, one. Uh, my player is Robert Thomas. And I'm back. Okay, I am muting in three, two, one. My player is Tyler Bozak. Okay, I'm back. I have to salvage something after that miserable showing. All right. Man, that was, um, I don't know if I, I lost that bad. Go ahead. <laughs> or, or that quickly and convincingly. Yeah. Um, I will go with the exact same question. Is your player's number 47 or less? Uh, my player. Hmm. Hold up. Yes. Their number okay. is 47 or less. Okay. That seems nice. to be a nice question. Eh? That's, that's a good question. Uh, does your player's first, uh, last name start with the letter L or earlier in the alphabet? Yes, my player's last name does start with L or earlier in the alphabet. Okay, that's a positive turn of events. I love how uh, you're like, that's a nice question. I'm going to go ask something completely different now. Yeah, I, you know, I was tempted to steal it, um, but, you know, that would be plagiarism. So we can't have that here. Is your player 29 years old or younger? Hmm. I should probably have this easily accessible. Uh, but yes, they are 29 or younger. All right. Not a great break. I'm at seven. Okay. All right. Here we go. This is this is where we take control. Uh, hmm. Let's sort by draft team. Was your player drafted by a team other than the St. Louis Blues? No, my player was not drafted by a team other than the St. Louis Blues. Okay. So undrafted or a Blues draft pick. Interesting. Go ahead. All right. Was your player drafted by a team other than the St. Louis Blues? Uh, 
No. All right. So, wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. My brain's kind of foggy. Your your player was not drafted by. Well, I almost had this, <laughs> and then I was like, "Wait, who am I deleting?" I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm no problem. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll blame COVID on this. I'll blame this on COVID. I said, "Was your player drafted by a team other than the St. Louis Blues?" Uh, and you said no, which means that they were uh, drafted by the St. Louis Blues or undrafted. Right? Can you help nice. me out? That's correct. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. okay. I'm at four. All right. This is going to be such an interesting split. I have a weird group of six. So was your player drafted in the third round or earlier? No, my player was not drafted in the third round oh, or earlier. Oh, boy. Okay. I just got rid of two Jordans. So okay. if you had said yes, that would have been a fun group of three. All right. Go hmm. ahead. All right. Um. All right. I know the split I want, but nothing is working in order to achieve it. Uh, How many players do you have? I have four. I have four players. Oh, All right, here's oh. all three. Okay. Is your player's first name um, between the letters of A and M? Your player's first name start with a letter between A and M. No. That is all right. not the case. All right. So, all right, I, I, could, I have I two could. players left. I could take this without even letting you have a single damn guess, which would be fun. Um, I have three players. They are a goalie, Vili Husso, uh, your last round pick, Toy Krug, and Tyler Bozak, who gives elite guess who vibes. So watch him not be the guy. But uh, I'm going to ask, is your player Tyler Bozak? Well played. It is Thank Tyler you. Bozak. Let's go. Uh, see, I was feeling pretty good in this last round because I had Ville Husso and Robert Thomas as my last Ooh. two. Was yours Robert Thomas? It was Robert Thomas. So I could, I would have had it. I would have had it. <laughs> if All only. Right. Um, but okay, good shit. The answer was not Ville Husso for both of us. What do you know? Uh huh. Confirming our always avoid goalies strategy, as right. smart and good. All right, we're one one. Last round. Good stuff. You love to see it. All right randomizing boom okay got my player do you have yours yes i do all right i'll mute in three two one Braden chen again and i'm back all right i'm muting in three two one my player is robert thomas all right i have returned wonderful all right uh who's going first this time me. Uh, it's you, yeah. I, I do love that. I did love that last name split, so I'm doing it again. Is your player's last name start with an L or earlier in the alphabet? No, my player's last name does not start with L or early in the alphabet. No. Oh, that's... Well, that's disappointing. Go ahead. Um, does your player's... Is your player's a number? 47 or less? Uh, yes. Keeping the... Nice. Again, keeping things simple today, doing the same questions over and over. Hmm. Yeah. Should I? I'll, I'll spice it up. I'll I'll do a draft round question. Why not? Uh, was your player? Nah, the draft round kind of sucks. Let me do draft year. Uh, okay, that's good. All right. Was your player drafted in twenty eleven or earlier? 
No, my player was not drafted in 2011 or earlier. Okay, that's kind of a shit break, but okay. Go ahead. Nice. I like when you get shit breaks. All right. Uh, is your player 29 years old or younger? Uh, hmm. My player is not 29 years old or younger. All right. Down to six. And it's the exact same six I had in the first round. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, hmm. Okay. Got ourselves quite the blend. Uh, let's go. Was your player drafted in the third or fourth round? No, my player was not drafted in the third or fourth round. Oh, God, save me. I'm at four. This is not pretty. I'm at six right now. And only one of them is giving correct vibes. And one of them is giving like mildly correct vibes, but not really. Which is partly encouraging, but also a bit scary. Um, I'm going to split by age again, though. Is your player 32 years old or older? No, my player is not old as shit. (laughs) All right. So we've got, (laughs) I got three players left now. Uh, and this, uh, Brain Shen, who you had in the first round, Tori Krug, who I had in the first round, and Nick Letty, who I said in the first round, you probably don't have Nick Letty. Fascinating. Um, all right. Interesting. Well, I have four players because this, this went as miserably as it could have gone. Uh, unfortunately I have Robert Thomas and three defensemen, all of whom stink. So... That's not going so well. I have Scott Perunovic, <laughs> Nico Mikola, and Callie Rosen, uh, all of whom give <laughs> remarkably unremarkable vibes. Uh, and, like, you know, Callie Rosen, obviously, we talked about him because, you know, he was he had that cadre bump in that led to that injury. Uh, but, you know, Perunovic and Mikola, like, man, these dudes barely play at all. So that's tough. Uh, okay. I will go with the most mid of them all drafted in the fifth fucking round is your player Nico Mikola. No, my player is not Nico Mikola. Obviously mid of them all. Why the hell would he be that? All right, go ahead. Oh, you don't get to do my bit of being like, oh, of course I didn't get it. That's my I bit. Can. Nope, I still Oh, uh, no. Go ahead. All right. Is your player Nick Letty? No, it's not Nick Letty. No, come on. All it's right. a rerun. <laughs> okay. Man, I gotta get it here, don't I? Or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, so Scott Perunovic or Callie Rosen? You gotta ask. Uh, said nobody ever. Don't think anybody's ever asked the question about those two. But I'm gonna guess Scott Perunovic. Is it Scott? My player is yeah. not Scott Perunovic. Oh, boo! You had me. You had me convinced. Damn it! <laughs> All right. This is tough. Oh, okay. So Miserable. let me try to think. What's more likely to happen? You get your own player twice or you get my player uh, in a later round? And I got to say, um, neither is very appealing. But I got to pick one anyway. So is your player Tori Krug? No, it's not. It's not Tori Krug. Ah! Ah. In hindsight, I maybe should have divided this in two and just secured the tie. But instead, I have gone out frolicking and missing every single one of my guesses. So... I might just make three wrong guesses and call it an L. Uh, so let's see. I have Robert Thomas or I have Callie Rosen. 
I just didn't I just have Robert Thomas? Like that was the guy I just had. So if you had him, that would be very unfortunate. Uh so I am going to guess is your player Callie Rosen? No, my player is not Callie ah, Rosen. Okay, I'm eating a bag of shit. Eating a fat <laughs> bag of shit. God is damn it. Is your player Braden Shin? Yes, it is. Yeah. That's terrible. Woo. What is this? I, I thought I had this in the bag. <laughs> Fuck this. That's terrible. I, I thought you did. I was damn. like Uh-huh. I I don't know if that's ever happened that I had three players left and I guessed the wrong ones first and I still won the round. Yeah. You you straight up won. You didn't even tie. Cause I straight up won. Mr. Exactly Clown right. Man over here. Just yeah. out just here. Like, that until you would have had it. I I don't even know. Like I knew that you probably wouldn't guess Braden Shen until the last round. So I don't even know why I didn't split it to secure the tie. I just mm-hmm. went all I mean, I, I honestly, I, I could have gone with him over Krug. I was really half and half could've. on that. Yeah. Damn. So, and then you had the guy at last round. So we had a couple yeah. of reruns. What are the odds? That's pretty crazy. Uh, remember, you know what I was thinking of? Remember the first time we ever played this game, which was almost exactly two years ago at this point, actually? Uh, we did Montreal. And the first thing that happened uh, was that we both had UL Armia <laughs> in, I think, like the very first round. <laughs> that happened. That hasn't I happened remember. since. You yeah. you think it happened about every you know one in twenty five rounds, but it hasn't happened a single time since then that we had the same player in the same round. Well, it's been about twenty five rounds since, hasn't it? So statistically, I don't think we're complete we're outliers. More. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, way more because you get twenty five rounds every oh, eight games or so. That's we're almost true. on the entire league. Damn. So we're just an anomaly that we haven't hit the same player. What do you know? Yep. Okay. All right. But well, this is so fun. I'm up to eight wins to your twelve. Damn. Uh, what a choke job. So, so look out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, and the award for worst performance in a victory goes to me. All right. <laughs> uh, well, that's the end of the episode. Uh, thanks for listening to it, even though my voice sounds a little different and stuffy and congested. I imagine by next week it'll be pretty much back to normal and we'll probably be back to Sunday as well. So thanks for listening to Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Um, Instagram Fusion and Hockey Podcast, Twitter at Tai Seifu, at Alex's New Handle, etc. The end. Mm-hmm.